Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Faces of TBI podcast series. My name is Amy Zellmer, and I'm the founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host for today's podcast. The goal of this podcast series is to bring awareness to traumatic brain injury and is created for, by survivors for survivors. Each week, you're going to hear from survivors, caregivers, medical professionals, or any other individual in the TBI community in an effort to raise awareness about this invisible injury. And it's also a way to help unite and educate fellow survivors. Those of you who might not know me, I am a TBI survivor myself. I fell on a patch of sheer ice and landed on my head and suffered a TBI in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor on the Huffington Post. I write mostly about TBI, so be sure to check me out on HuffPost. And I also volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. I created facesoftbi.com as a place where you can follow my blog to read more about me and my journey. Um, You can also check out the podcast series on my website, and I have some resources on there for you as well. And you can also sign up for my TBI newsletter to learn about upcoming events and podcasts and any other exciting news in the industry. And I also recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. And you can find that on my website or on Amazon as well. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Amy Zalmer. So today our guest is Ann Forrest, and Ann is from Austin, Texas, and she is a fellow TBI survivor, and she is also a volunteer on the BIA's advisory council with me as well, and she's actually kind of our executive director, if you will, and she's going to be talking about neuroplasticity and how our brains have the ability to heal even many years later. So welcome to the show, Ann. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Amy. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Um, (laughs) So let's just start out with telling our listeners um, how you you got your TBI. I got my traumatic brain injury, concussion, mild TBI in an automobile accident. I was uh, in Washington, D.C. I uh, worked in Washington at the time, and I... uh, was merging onto uh, a, um, a roadway near the Lincoln Memorial, so picture yourself on the D.C. Mall, and uh, my head went from uh, side to side and back to forward. Uh, so um, I got quite a shake, uh, and my neurons were stretched or broken. Mm-hmm. Yes, so were you rear-ended, or how were you hit? What was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I was uh, rear-ended from... I ended from behind. Uh, I was straining to look at a a light, and um, Uh, the car behind me was ready to to move into the intersection whether I felt like it was safe or not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. 
so you were kind of looking over one one corner and you got hit, and so it kind of shook your head in every single direction. My head was what in year? the worst position possible for. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that happened to my father as well. What year did this happen to you, Anne? So this is 1997, so 18 years ago. Yeah, yeah and you are still um, recovering from your CBI, correct? I am still recovering. I um, My biggest, uh, most recent achievement has been being, learning how to, or being able to drive independently. I now have my own car, and that must have happened about 15 years after my injury. So... Wow. Um, very huge increase. I've had uh, lots of increases along the way, but being able to drive again is a huge, <laughs> it's just a huge change in my life. And um, Yeah. Gives you back uh, your independence. Uh, a huge amount of independence. I told people, I just want to drive to the convenience store and back. <laughs> You know, when you're 18 and you get your driver's license, you want to drive on the highway or go someplace. Well, when <laughs> when you haven't been able to drive for 18 years as an adult, you just want to go down the street and go to some place that's just out of walking distance that you wouldn't normally get to. <laughs> so, so a different perspective. I just kind of want to bring our listeners a little bit up to speed on on who you were before your injury. Um, you had a PhD, so if you just want to kind of briefly talk about that and how that's going to tie into um, neuroplasticity and what we're talking about today. Oh, that's a good question. So I have a PhD. They, they can't take it away from you. And I have a <laughs> yeah. PhD in economics. <laughs> Always sometimes. Uh, anyway, I have a PhD in economics, and I was working as an environmental economist at the Environmental Law Institute, which is a think tank in Washington. And I um, thought a lot about sustainable uh, economies and a sta- sustainable development and how an economy uh, takes into account energy and environmental issues. Um, so something that's big on our minds today <laughs> um, with the climate summit going on in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. So so you were out in D.C. when it happened. You were working out there. Um, how, what kind of therapy, what did you seek initially to help you? So I had um, headaches, and um, yeah, I, it was mostly headaches at first, and I went to see a primary care doctor. I didn't have a primary care doctor. I didn't need one, so saw somebody I uh, that had a colleague told me knew a lot about concussion. He thought I had whiplash and um, wanted me to be under advisement, which meant no playing soccer, playing volleyball on the mall. That was disappointing for a little while. And then when my symptoms got worse, I had a difficult time um, with just doing everyday activities. I had to- difficult uh, dialing telephone numbers. I was just having a really hard time. 
And um, I went to see a, um, my primary care doctor sent me to a, neuro- a top-notch neurologist in Washington. And uh, so that was sort of the beginning of my trip. And um, what I didn't really understand um, what medical doctors did. I thought that neurologists knew everything that there was to know about mm-hmm. brain. You would think. <laughs> and, uh, and I, um, and, uh, I uh, about three or four months of just asking doctor qu- doctors questions and not understanding and not understanding why I couldn't keep fireworks in the sky over the 4th of July and just a lot of not knowing, I um, noticed that I read, you know, I went into the waiting room, read a Time Magazine article, and then go back in the back room to see the doctor, and I realized I had no idea what I was, what I had just read. Time Magazine, short articles, people ought to be able to read them and remember, and um I said to my neurologist, I can't remember what I just read. And I have to say, I wasn't aware of a lot of the uh, issues of my brain injury. But um, his response at the time was um, that he didn't do eyes, that reading wasn't something that he did as a neurologist. And um, that was uh, quite surprising to me. I um, was able through my network to find a top-notch uh, optometrist who did vision therapy and who uh, did a lecture on vision in the brain and I went to it and was just like I know I need to I know this guy can help me and I started vision therapy I was having a difficult time getting other kinds of therapy and so at least or getting treatment even though I had been correctly diagnosed with a mild traumatic brain injury which is uh, was a gift um so, and uh so the vision and therapy really I'm gonna, helped. I'm going to ask you just I'm going to interject here um about how you weren't really offered many other therapies cuz that's my situation too I was begging for therapy. I wanted occupational therapy. I wanted business therapy. And my neurologist just kind of kept blowing me off. Um, Is that kind of what you were experiencing too? Well, I would say it was kind of a wait and see kind of thing, although I was having to go. My workplace couldn't understand why I couldn't work. (laughs) And um, I went out on short-term disability company disability, so there was a lot of activity, but not a lot of activity towards getting me to treatment per se. We were doing a mm-hmm. lot of tests. We were doing EEGs. We were doing MRIs. We were doing a lot of different tests um, to try to rule things out. But what I needed was treatment and. Y- I didn't know to be asking for what to be asking for. You know, I was out of my world, out of my own world. <laughs> so I didn't know what to be asking for. Um, unlike you, where you knew what you were asking, what you needed to be asking for. And um, what I found was that when I got to vision therapy, which was about three months after my injury, I. Um, the vision therapist could tell me, "Oh, your eyes aren't doing this, and you're not you can't do that and he um couldn't even complete his tests because my vision was so was 
my um, ability to um, see not central vision, but peripherally, um, I just uh, just tests were um, were were driving me crazy. I couldn't I, I couldn't perform. You know, they couldn't even get good measures. And um, my uh, my primary care doctor uh, was really the coordinator, and he didn't understand who was this optometrist who um, was giving him reports that he didn't know how to read. So there was a disconnect there. And um, and I also, because of my, I was in an automobile accident, there was litigation that was weaving in and out of <laughs> all this also. So, um, so my experience is a little bit different from yours, but... Um, but yeah, I I was properly diagnosed, but it was hard to get to cognitive rehab, which mm-hmm. uh, which when I eventually got to it, in addition to the vision therapy, that is what turned my life around. It took me three and a half years to get to cognitive to the cognitive rehab that I needed, and that helped me turn my life around. But I had a second grade. You know, at that point when I got to cognitive therapy, what they were able to show was that I had a second grade uh, math skills, even though I had been a PhD economist, a lot of math, and um, third grade English skills, right? And so um, how I functioned for three and a half years with that level of uh, disability is just amazing to me looking backwards. My vision therapy yeah, you know, was helped. Sorry? Oh, I was going to say, you know, that's, you know, with me, um, I was about 21 months out before we finally figured out that I had double vision. I wasn't, like, traditionally seeing two of everything, so I they kept asking me, do you have double vision? I'm like, no. Um, and it finally <laughs> took a diligent right. eye doctor to be like, no, you have double vision. Um, you know, and so now I'm just now starting vision therapy 22 months later. Um, and at my one-year mark, I remember the neurologist telling me, you know, you're at one year, so this is probably all the better you're going to get. And I remember just, like, wanting to punch her because I know that that's so not true. <laughs> and, like, how can she even say that to me because I know it's not true. Um, you know, so it's just, it's it's fascinating how some neurologists, you know, like you said, they're supposed to know everything about the brain. <laughs> um, so it's fascinating how, like, there's there's just such a difference in doctors, you know what I mean? And um, if you just That's get the right, right doctor, then, you're lucky. That's right, and getting to the getting to really good doctors makes a difference. I began to later on in my recovery, I would ask doctors, "Do you believe in vision therapy?" When I'd go to them the first time, and if they didn't believe in vision therapy, that was um, that was my cue that they were the wrong doctor. Right. Oh, so, 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 um, because some neurologists don't believe in it, some neuropsychologists don't believe it. Even though it is a field that has been around for a long time, it's um, 
and it's getting more um, taking more speed, getting much more speed recently because we're we're seeing that you can use vision um, to diagnose concussions early on in the football field. So it's it's Right. It's gaining some speeds. Good good neurologists will tell will, do know about vision therapy and can help will refer to vision therapists. Um and uh so there are a lot of people out there that do know that uh that vision therapy can help patients if they have post concussion visual syndrome or severe uh brain injury there's another word for it. But um, and we're understanding more about this constellation of uh, of symptoms that's called post concussion vision uh, syndrome. Apparently, it's widespread, and many people. I was just up at the American Congress of, of Rehabilitation Medicine meetings, and many people are calling it the, a biomarker for concussion. So, um, so, so it's gaining credence. Uh, it's not practiced by medical doctors, and so there's some resistance. I can't explain all the reasons for resistance, but uh, <laughs> that's another topic. But um, yes. <laughs> but what people told, have told me is that, you know, in medical schools uh, in the 80s, this notion that the brain is plastic, that there is neuroplasticity, is something that is taught. So I always wonder well, why is this concept of neuroplasticity new? <laughs> right. That's another one I can't answer. But uh, but why is this new? And like you, I was told only two years. You're never going to get better after that. And I chose to believe the vision therapy people who said you'll continue to get better. It's not going to be at your own the pace you'd like, probably. But slow and steady uh, wins the race. Wins the race. (laughs) um, Slow and steady wins the race. Valid and validation for symptoms, which is so important, and help positive help in moving forward. And once I began vision therapy, it. I mean, first of all, there was somebody watching what I was doing and just having somebody monitor my activity. As a Washington, as a person who worked in Washington, I of course wanted to go really fast and didn't have awareness <laughs> that I wasn't the same. I didn't have the same brain I had beforehand. And um, so having somebody monitor me and tell me you can't do that or you can't do that for as long or whatever was really useful. And then I could see that the vision therapy was benefiting me. And success breeds success, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, You don't need that when you're getting better. You don't need someone else to tell you that you're getting better. (laughs) You know it. Right. Well, but not always. Like Paul talked about, he didn't even notice that he was getting better and his friends noticed it. Um, but yeah, I totally know what you're saying. I'm um, with, I'm with so, you. Part of not having awareness is, is that is, and so you have to have bigger changes perhaps as to, right. getting bigger changes. But there is this issue with awareness, which is, important as a TBI survivor you I wasn't aware and um the vision therapy actually helps with awareness 
and so um, so that's why the vision is that's one of the reasons why vision therapy is so helpful is begin you, you it helps you get insight as to where you actually are as opposed to the person you were before that you're projecting onto yourself now. <laughs> right. But I didn't mean to right. interrupt you. So, <laughs> no, um, as, you know, as we've been talking and it's been um, quite a few years since your injury and, you know, like you said, you just got your license back a few years ago and you've more recently done vision therapy. Um so, you know, how, you know, how would you explain to somebody who's maybe only a year into their recovery? Because I know at my one year, like right, probably like 10 months in, I was actually getting worse, not better. And it was very disheartening. So, you know, what would you say to somebody who's just starting out in their journey um, as far as the neuroplasticity and the ability to continue getting better, or or even someone who's maybe 20 years out from their TBI who hasn't done therapies and whatnot yet, um, they can still try it, right? So um, two points to make. First of all, let's talk about neuroplasticity in a sort of concrete way, which is to say the best way it's been explained to me, and your brain is, a normal brain or a, a, a non-injured brain, let's say, we're not, none of us are really normal, but a non-injured brain <laughs> has neuroplasticity all the time, and that's called learning. We learn new things. And, right. um, uh, and what has been explained to me that I like the best is that when we start, you know, there may be something that you're interested in, and your brain has a little pathway to that. And then as you get more and more interested in it and you do work to understand that, make effort to understand it more, your brain says, we're going to that direction a lot. Let's make it more than a, a dirt pathway. Let's make it into a little bit of a, of a paved road, right? And then you keep doing that effort towards, uh, towards learning going down that pathway and eventually the brain says, Hey, let's make a super highway out of that. You're using that function often. And so so um so the brain is building connections in areas that you're interested in and that is what neuroplasticity is. Um after an injury I I couldn't learn. I wouldn't I wasn't getting out of overstimulating environments because I didn't understand how they were affecting me. And so I couldn't my brain couldn't do things, couldn't build some of those pathways because I would be so exhausted or I'd overtire myself not unintentionally. And I was just doing the same things over and over again. So through vision therapy where you're working directly on your eyes, you're teaching your brain to do things differently. You're create you're helping create those new pathways and you're gaining this awareness that oh, if I constantly for for example, if I overtire myself every day, then all I'm doing is repeating bad stuff as opposed to if I stop before, for me, I had to learn how to stop before I got headaches, 
for example, before you got headaches, right? And so, and that's really tough. You got to eventually learn how to stop when uh, when you know that a headache is coming, or not even that close. I'm only going to do this for 20 minutes, and then I'm going to stop no matter what. And um, and so you're giving your brain the opportunity to reorganize. And to learn and take that feedback loop back as opposed to just tiring your brain out. And, you know, like muscles, your brain doesn't develop when you're too tired, when you've got, when you're overextended. I'm not doing a very good analogy here. When you're, when you, <laughs> when you do muscle development, right, there's a zone you want to work in that's a therapeutic zone. Similarly, with your head, you have to be working in a therapeutic zone, and that's when you're not tired right. and when you haven't over-fatigued yourself. Right. And eventually, so thank you. you learn. Yeah. So thank you for gonna... that explanation. Um, we have about two minutes left to wrap up. And, um, <laughs> so I would like to ask you, Anne, if you have any advice to fellow TBI survivors, whether, you know, it has to do with rehab or whatever it might have to deal with, what would be your top piece of advice? We've already said find the best doctor. And the second mm-hmm. one, though, is um, hope, for, uh, hope for the future because the future gets, you know, what I've found is that by um, practicing things over and over and over, my brain does get developed get better and there's hope for the future and I chose not to believe doctors who didn't believe that there was hope for the future and and my future is much brighter than it was in that first year absolutely not trying you're not going to win if you don't try so you might as well try (laughs) absolutely I love that that's like fantastic advice well, thank you so much, Anne, for being here. This was really, really great information, and I think it's really important for survivors to hear because sometimes we think, Ugh, we're never going to get better. And it's not true. You you can continue to get better and always think about your future and what you're shooting for. So thank you, Anne, for being here. I look forward to following your journey further, and just thanks so much for being here. This has been a pleasure, and I enjoy following your journey, and um, just uh, this has been great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Anne, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's show and that Anne sparked something in you guys, and yeah, you, you don't, if you don't have a good doctor, find a new doctor. If you don't like what they're telling you, you have that right to find someone different, so Thank you again, Anne, for being here. And I hope that you will all join me again next week. I'm going to be talking with a personal injury attorney, James Hoyer from Minneapolis. And he'll be discussing um, some key points that all TBI patients and their families should understand about getting legal counsel involved after an accident or an incident. So again, be sure to visit my website, facesoftbi.com, and you can check out previous podcasts and see upcoming podcasts on there. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. 
And thanks so much again for listening, everyone. Thank you for being a part of my journey, and I will see you all again next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.